Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, I've been enjoying prayer so much. I've, I've, one of the benefits of teaching on something is that you get it into you probably more than if, uh, if you're just being taught. They say some, sometimes if you want to really know something, teach on it. Well, you have to. Otherwise, you know, you get up and make a fool of yourself. You kind of got to know the subject. And I've been challenged so much with the Lord's Prayer, and there's six points that we're looking at to locate where we're at in prayer and to give us something to, to aim for in prayer. And so we've used the, our Father, the Lord's Prayer, as a template so to know how to pray. Jesus says, pray this way. They ask, how do we pray? He says, this is the way. Pray in this manner. And so the Lord's Prayer is what we've been using for that. And the Lord's Prayer goes like this. Depends on which translation that you use. We're going to use the NIV, so I'm going to have to look at the screen because I memorized it in the King James Version. Uh, But it goes like this. Our Father. All right. This is how you pray, Jesus says. Our Father, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. In heaven. Aren't you glad he's not bound on the earth? He's not worried about inflation and interest rates aren't rising in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And the first uh, point that begins with P is presence, presence, the presence of God. So when you're praying, you're inviting the presence of God to come in to your prayer time, to the conversation that you're having with God. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That one begins with P, and it is priority. priority. Get your priorities right. I found myself uh, the other night, we've got a lot of stuff on uh, personally and business-wise and church-wise, and I was kind of like, oh, these things were going around and around in my mind. And God said, okay, where are we at with the, with the prayer points? Okay, God. <laughs> so I went back to... Uh, Our Father, not just mine, but ours. Our Father, who art in heaven. And I invited his presence to come in instead of tossing and turning and worry and and, and reasoning and trying to grapple with all all the things that you do in life. His presence came into the room. Uh, Gail was asleep next to me. And I'm praying. I'm thinking, okay, God, you're right. Your presence, take over. I want peace. Your kingdom come, your priority. What am I worried about stuff that's going on here that's nothing to do with the kingdom of God? Your kingdom come, your will be done. All of a sudden, you're you're invited to step it up. You're invited to enter into the presence of our Father who's in heaven. The earth is just his footstool. What's the big deal about the problem that you got going on right now down here? It's not a big deal. Believe me, this whole thing's going to roll up like a scroll and it's all going to burn and God's going to, get, going to create a new heaven and a new earth with all the extinct animals and everything that we missed out on. I'm sure there'll be some T-Rexes there that don't eat people and it's going to be fantastic. Whatever God's got in store, I'm looking forward to that. Thy will be done, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then... The, num- the third one, so we go through provision is the next one, verse 11. Give us to de- this day, give us today our daily bread, provision. 
and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. You get to that one, that's a challenge because God will put people in front of you that you need to forgive. <laughs> and it's up to you whether you're going to do that or not, but you won't go any further in the prayer time with God in the conversation if you stop it right there and you hold on forgiveness in your heart. That's, that's, a, that's a, 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 a line in the sand. Are you going to forgive those people or are you going to continue to replay revenge in your mind? Let it go. And when you do that, I, I, I'm fortunate because I, that wasn't part of uh, my time with God the other night. I, I, I get to that and I go, okay, God, is there anybody? And there was, there is nobody in my life that I, honestly, that I haven't forgiven. And, and that should be our testimony every day. Because offenses come. People do things, nasty things to us, say bad things about us. Uh, we become targets if we're successful. We become targets if we're uh, family members. Uh, whatever it is, people are going to let you down. You have to let go of it and forgive. And you get to. And that, that, that'll lift off. And now verse 13. So that's people anyway. That's the um, fourth P. Verse 13. And lead us not. This is where we're going today. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. Number five is protection. Protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What is temptation? Temptation is when you are enticed with evil. Something that's evil is tempting you. It's got your name and it's calling out to you. Now, I've called this, this morning's message the devil couldn't make me do it. He'll try. He'll try to make you do whatever that is that he wants you to do that you know is evil, it's wrong. He'll give it his best shot. But I would hope that the, at the end of this message today, I would hope that you would be able to declare, he gave it his best shot, but the devil couldn't make me do it. That's the goal of this morning's message. He couldn't make me do it. What a testimony. He tries, but he couldn't do it. James 1.13 says this, when tempted, and that's all of us, if you're breathing, if you're on planet Earth, male or female, young or old, you're going to be tempted. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he, God, tempt anyone. God tempts no one, but Satan tempts everyone. To be tempted, you have to have an appetite for whatever that is. And I would hope that part of this message this morning is to help you not have an appetite for it. I remember um, Kenneth Hagin once. I sat under him for a couple of years in a town called Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he's kind of a legend in, in the faith movement. And I remember Kenneth Hagin got up. We had 1,700 students there, big student body in a big auditorium. And he got up and he said, I just want you to know, he says, I cheat on my wife all I want. And everybody's like, what? He said, I, I, I steal all that I want to steal. He said, oh, I go out and get drunk all that I want to. 
And then he said, the difference is I don't do any of those things because I don't want to. See, people are always on to me about, oh, how come you don't? And then fill in the blanks, smoke or drink or whatever. And, and quite frankly, the reason that I don't do a lot of those things, it's not necessarily that they're all wrong for, for other people. I don't want to. It's not a temptation for me if I don't have a desire for it. So if, you, if you're tempted, it's because you've got an appetite for whatever that is. Now, I don't like fishy fish. You know, fish that really smells like fish and tastes like fish. Ugh. Like if there's something else on the menu, I'm not having that. There's certain things like uh, caviar. I hate caviar. I was in Russia once and they, you know, they served it up for breakfast. I thought, oh, this is nice. Little berries, it must be like little blueberries or something on the plate. Thinking, oh, this will be good on, you know, some cereal or something. And and it was salty, fishy caviar, which is worth a, a fortune. And I was with another friend of mine and from here from Australia. Neither one of us liked the caviar. So I took mine, I scooped it into the, the napkin, the serviette, folded it up, put it in the glass, thinking, I don't want to offend the host. Well, she opened it up, discovered the caviar, and really got abusive. She was in, in Russian, just what have you done? Like, she's really upset that we didn't eat the caviar. Nobody asked me if I like caviar or not, just assumption. Yes, of course, it's expensive. Everybody loves caviar. No, everybody doesn't like caviar. I would have a McDonald's Big Mac, which I don't like, before I would have that stuff. I've got no appetite for it, so nobody's going to tempt me with caviar. Don't try. Don't have me. If I come over to your house and you have some of that stuff, I'm not tempted, not at all. There's certain things, however, that I am tempted by. Nice Indian food. <laughs> you have to have an appetite to be tempted. Temptation's only temptation if you're tempted. The devil can't tempt you with something you have no desire for. You've got to be hungry for it. And then you have a choice whether you're going to Disobey God and obey your appetite, or you're going to obey God and not go with the appetite. So we're talking about something that you have a desire for. Some of the things we have a desire for are things in our past, before we made Jesus our Lord, before we got saved. We, we had appetites for all kinds of things. And, and then when we get saved, we realize those, those things are not good. They lead to destruction. But the appetite seems to still be there for some of these things. And, and one of the great keys is to get rid of the hunger, the appetite. God tests us in the testing of our faith, but that's not temptation. There's a difference between a test and a temptation. Now, I'm not going to... Uh, go too far into that, but every day you get tested, and sometimes life tests you, and sometimes God tests you to locate where your faith is. Never, however, never does God tempt you with evil. That's, that's the devil's job, and he does a pretty good job. Another fact about test and temptation is that neither one of these are sins. Because you're tested in life, to see whether you're going to operate by faith or doubt and unbelief, the test is not sin. In other words, you haven't missed the mark. That's what sin means. 
When it comes to temptation, because you're tempted does not mean that you have sinned. You have to realize that you're going to be tempted by different things that you have a desire for, including evil, but you have not sinned unless you give in to that. That one there got me a lot when I was a new Christian. I thought, I'm tempted. This is terrible. I must be a terrible sinner because I'm tempted. No, you haven't sinned because the devil's knocking at your door. You sin when you open the door and let him in. Neither testing nor temptation are sins. Jesus was tempted, it says, in every way, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15. Let's read this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, not just sympathize, but to be in our place with our weaknesses, but we have, but we have one who has been tempted. Get this? So if temptation was a sin, Jesus was a sinner. We know he's not. He didn't miss it once. He has been, we have a high priest. He's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, he did not sin. Temptation is not a sin. You think about that, all the different ways that you get tempted, all the, the main things that you get tempted in. Jesus was tempted in every one of those yet he didn't sin. Hebrews 2, 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, temptation is suffering. It's a weird kind of a suffering, but it's a suffering. It's like, oh. He himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Don't you love the fact that he went through all this junk? He, he can empathize with you. Now, there's three areas of temptation. These are broad areas, and all the temptations fall under one of these three. Three main areas that Satan will tempt you with. And it's in 1 John 2.16. For everything in the world, everything in the world, here they are, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three areas that you're going to be tempted in. And I'm glad that Jesus was tempted in all three, and he passed the exam, so to speak, that Satan gave him. In Matthew 4, and this is where we're going this morning, Matthew 4, verses 1 to 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Isn't that amazing? I find that just amazing, like, that the Spirit of God would lead him to be tempted by the devil. And, and not just lead him any old place, but led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is amazing because the wilderness is a place where you and I go through not just once or twice in life, but sometimes several times in a day. It's where it's, it's uncomfortable, it's dry. It could be maybe you've lost your job or you've transitioned or something major is happening in, in your life and you're just, you're just in a place where this is not a land flowing with milk and honey. This is not like 
down by the riverbank with green trees and lots of fruit on the trees and everything else. You look around, you go, the landscape is barren. The greenery is sparse. The joy and, and all happiness and, and, and everything, all the resources don't seem to be here in, in one or more areas of my life. And that's where you're going to be tempted. And he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now look at this. Verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I think you would be, wouldn't you? 40 days. I've fasted 30 before. Not water, though, just food. I was hungry. I'd say to Gail, just get everything out of the fridge. But there'd always be like tomato sauce and mustard and stuff, stuff like that. I, I'm like, I'll, I'll drink that whole bottle of ketchup, man. Like, uh, you know, but, but, but the desperation le led me to do that. And, and verse 2 here, he gives us, it gives us something here that's very significant. It's the number 40. The number 40 is a test. It's a number that represents a test. So you might remember that uh, the children of Israel were how many years in the wilderness? They were 40, 40 years. Uh, when, when Noah built the ark, it rained for what? 40 days? And 40 nights. I mean, I would not have wanted to bend Noah in that ark and his family. What a test that is. Goliath, and, and when David comes down, the armies of the Philistines are lined up against the armies of Israel. And for 40 days and 40 nights, that giant in his big mouth went down and taunted the children of Israel until finally David had enough of this and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to stand up against the living God? And he took him down. Ezekiel laid on one side, I think it was his, his, his right side or his left side, I forget which one. For 40 days he laid on there. God made him do that, one for every year that they had wandered in the, in the wilderness and, and been in sin. 40 is a very significant number. And here we find the Son of God for 40 days and 40 nights in a wilderness being tempted by the devil. Now, there was nothing in him. There was no appetite for most of the things that we get tempted with. So for 40 days and 40 nights, he did what? He fasted so that he could actually be tempted with something. And the something that he was tempted with was food and water, as you would be for that length of time. He had to put himself in a position where he was so weak in the flesh because he was also the son of man, not just the son of God, 100% both. He put himself purposely in a position so that he would have something, the devil would have something to tempt him with. And the, tempt, the temptation, food in itself, was not evil. Food's not evil. But when God's called you to do something, then you, you, you must obey, otherwise that is evil. And so God takes his, his, his son and, and, and through the Spirit leads him into the, a wilderness place to be tempted by the devil. And then verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. When you're really, really thirsty, 
the ocean out there, which is full of salt, that if you drink it, you'll go crazy and eventually die, looks like water that you can drink. When you're really, really hungry, stones look like what? Bread. Everything turns into something that it's not. And the goal of temptation, and I want you to get this, what is the goal? What, you know, we know Satan's wicked, evil, and everything else, but what, what is his end game, seriously? Why would you bother, devil, tempting us with all these things? What's the point? We know that sin leads to death, so ultimately he wants to kill you, your family. He hates this church, hates the pastor, hates you too, hates everybody. He, he's, he's on a mission to, to kill, to destroy. We know that. But, but the main agenda when it comes to temptation, and it's right here in this verse, if you are, if you are the Son of God, then command the stones to turn into bread, something that you're really desiring right now is food. And what the devil mainly is after is your identity. He wants to steal your identity, and the way that he does it is he tempts you with something that violates who you really are. He gets you to behave in a manner through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He gets you to behave in a manner that is inconsistent with who you really are. Who really are you? If you've asked Jesus into your heart, you are a child of God. You are born again, born of the Spirit. You are a Christ follower. You are a Christian. That's who you are. And when you sin, when he entices you and you fall into that snare, and if he, can, if he can get you to do that, he can steal your identity and then you're snared. Because as soon as you fulfill that lust, whichever one it is, your identity then is this. You call yourself a Christian, really? <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> if, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't be doing that. You must not be saved. You must not be born again. And so he attacks the one thing that really isn't up for grabs. That's your identity. Your identity is sealed the day that you ask Jesus into your heart. And temptation is the way that the devil tries to throw you off of that identity. Now the way back, verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, and that's the way that you've got to answer too. It is written. There are so many scriptures to reinforce your identity and who you are in Christ. Get a hold of those verses. Memorize them. Write them out. Repeat them to yourself. Speak them out as affirmations. This is who I am. Not up for grabs, devil. The tempter came to him and said, if you are, then do this. And Jesus says, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. If he can get you to forsake your identity, he knows he can sell you a new identity and he can snare you. If he can sell you another identity, he can get you to live another life. That in itself is worth writing down. I'll say it again. If Satan can sell you another identity, he can get you to live another life. 
I'm a child of God. It's not up for grabs. As a Christian, you're going to be tempted by a lot of things that you used to have an appetite for. And there's, again, you haven't sinned until you bow down to that, and then his whole game is to get you to believe a lie that you are not who God says that you are. But we live by God's word alone. One of the keys, and we're going to give you a few ways out of this in a moment, but um, the first thing that, that happens is, again, the lust of the flesh. So what was this about? What was it that he was tempted in in, in, in Matthew chapter 4 there was to get him to eat that bread. And the lust of the flesh there is, with Jesus anyway, Jesus is the bread of life, it says. And so it was to get him to stop being a provider and giving out the bread and being the, the living word of God. It was to get him to get off of his uh, main mission, which was to provide bread for all of us, the word of God, the living word, and to get hard and turn into a rock and be a taker. And that's, that's, the, that's the mission, the first thing, the lust of the flesh that Jesus went through, but it's also for you too. It's also him trying to get you off of the mission God has for you. Co command these rocks to t be turned into bread. You're hungry, man. The excuse is, of course, you, you might as well give in. It's not really fair. After all, you've got this legitimate need in your life, and it's, and it's not being met right now. So, so go ahead. Go ahead and, and, and command rocks to be turned into bread. Prove it. Prove that you're a child of God. The second thing that, that, uh, that, that happened to Jesus was that the devil says, well, go ahead and throw yourself off. Throw yourself off the cliff. And that's the lust of the eyes, Matthew 4, 5 to 7. We'll just read this quickly. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He could see everything. That's the lust of the eyes. If you are the son of God, again, after his identity, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written, he'll command the angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This temptation, the lust of the eyes, is to get you to see another way around other than God's way. It's to get you to prove your identity. Listen to me. You can't prove your identity. You don't need to prove anything. Jesus proved it. That's the only proof. And, the, and, and to get you to look at, at another way, to get you to protect a position that you don't need to protect. Throw yourself off. Prove it. And if the angels lift you up, then you are who you say. But if not, then you must, you must not your identity must be a lie. You're not the son of God. Go ahead and, and, and prove this thing. How many times do people say, I'll oh, prove it? Prove that Christianity is real. Prove that there's a God. Prove, prove, prove. My identity is not up for grabs. I don't have to prove anything. He proved it all on the cross. What, what, you, what, what could you do outside of the will of God? Protect yourself. Defend yourself. Self-preservation. Will you use your power to protect your position? And the answer is no, I don't have to. 
Lust says me first. The opposite of lust is eyes of vision. Get your eyes off of trying to protect your, your position and trying to prove something and focus on the vision that God's called you into because love lays down its life for other people. Number three, the third sin is the pride of life. Matthew 4, 8, 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. This temptation is a temptation of power. You can have it all if you would just compromise. How many times do we get that knocking at our door? The whole goal of the world, be rich and famous. What a curse. Have you ever noticed the people that are rich and famous that can't even go down to the grocery store? They can't just hang out. They can't go into the public domain and they got to hide. They got to put a hat on, a hoodie, kind of walking around, get back into their unit or whatever, their house, and shut the door, have the guards protecting them. And what a nightmare. The devil will offer you all of these things, but he can't give you what you already got. <laughs> what do I already have? I, I'm already part of the greatest kingdom of all eternity, the kingdom of God. What are these kingdoms that you're offering, Satan? What a joke. Every one of those kingdoms, from the Babylonian kingdoms to the Greeks to the Romans to all of uh, you know the past century, all the kingdoms, they're all gone. Read your Bible. Every single king that, that was uh, instituted in the nation of Israel. Every single kingdom, they all had their demise. They're all dead, every single one of them. And everyone that's in power now that we're all so worried about, they're goners, believe me. It's not that long and they'll all be taken care of because Father Time has a way of doing that. They'll be, they'll be gone. But there is an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God. You can't, you can't, I already have it all. So do you. I've got it all. I don't need the pride of life, the kingdom, money, and fame, and all of that. What does it gain a man if he gains the whole world, says, and loses his soul? I think the test here with the pride of life is how do you handle it when you are on top? Because sometimes life takes twists and turns. It's not always down. Sometimes you're on top. Sometimes you're in a position of power. I know that when, whenever I've traveled to a, what we would call a third world country where, where one billion people on the planet live on, on less than one dollar a day. Out of eight billion plus people, one billion people on the planet today are living on less than one dollar a day. How do you do that? Two billion live on less than two dollars a day. I couldn't do that. And when you go to these places, you're, you're like a billionaire, man. You are filthy rich, and they will wait on you and do anything. How do you handle that power? How do you treat these people with respect and honor? The way Jesus treats all of us, because he is filthy rich compared to the richest person here on the planet. How, how, do, 
What do we do when we are on top? I believe the test of success is one of the biggest tests that you'd ever face. I remember Lester Summerall, whose uh, legendary ministry started Feed the Hungry organization, planted churches, met Smith Wigglesworth as a young man, uh, and had an incredible church, but he came and spoke to our student body. And he said this, he says, the biggest test or temptation that you're going to have in ministry, if you are successful, and he said, most of you won't be, and everybody went, oh. (laughs) He says, the biggest test in ministry, if you are successful, is how much are you going to keep for you and how much are you going to keep in the kingdom? And then he said this. He said, if I die with millions in the bank, this is his personal conviction. He's dead now. I die a traitor to the cause that I served. Wow. What a challenge. It's not about hoarding it up. It's about letting the river flow so that other people can be blessed. Money, power gives you options. How are you going to treat the little people in life? Because pride offers identity based on status and achievements. Achievements are not wrong. So don't, please hear me on this. Poverty is a curse. We should all want to prosper and be in health so that we can bless other people and bless the nations. But pride offers you an identity based on status and based on your achievements. But your identity is not your achievement. Your identity is not your status in life. Your identity is in God and who God says you are. Your achievements are never more important than who God says that you are. You are a child of God. Now my notes just disappeared because I pushed the wrong button. And it says, do you want to install the software? No, later, thanks. And uh, what's your password? Okay, got that back. Got the notes. Are the notes coming back? Hey, they're back. <laughs> See, God determines your, posi- your position. Matthew chapter 4, 10 and 11, listen to this. Jesus said to him, to the devil, away, away from me, Satan. Satan just means adversary. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him. And the angels came who were going to attend to him anyway, and they attended. So how are you going to avoid temptation so that you can say, the devil couldn't make me do it? How are you going to do that? I believe these aren't necessarily in the, in the priority order, but I'm going to give these to you in the next few minutes. Number one, plan ahead. Plan ahead. I like to plan my day so I don't have time, seriously, because an an idle mind is a devil's playground, somebody said. I don't have time in my day anyway to contemplate sin. Determine who you are, and you'll determine how you behave, but you have to plan that ahead. Decide ahead of time that you won't be going where you'll be tempted. Remember the prayer is this. Lead us not into... Temptation. In other words, Holy Spirit, lead me around this. 
That means the people that are going to tempt me to enter into gossip and negativity and conversations that are not faith and not uplifting and, and uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Help me identify who they are and, and I can give them a wide berth. Thank you. Because that's not the kingdom of God. That means places and things that are going to tempt you. You can identify those things and make a plan to go around and not to intersect with those. Lead me not into temptation. Decide ahead of time. Don't wait for the temptation to come knocking. Craig Rochelle said this, and I thought it was brilliant. He said, why would I resist a temptation in the future that I have power to eliminate today? <laughs> why would I resist a temptation in the future that I have power to eliminate today. Plan it. Don't, don't just leave it up to chance. Take action. Start every day with, with prayer and God's word, and God will give you a plan. That was number two. Number three, stay active. When did David get in trouble? It says when kings go forth to battle, David stayed home. And that's when he looked over and saw Beautiful woman having a bath. Woo, look at that. And the rest is history. Seek first the kingdom of God. The best defense is always, listen to me, the best defense is always a good offense. Be on the offensive. When kings go forth to battle, David was a king. You don't stay home. Get in the fight. I told somebody the other week that was struggling with sin, I said, get active. Get in the middle of what we're doing here at City Church. Put your name down. Volunteer for something. Be in the middle of the herd. Oh, it's just a herd mentality down there. Yeah, and it's a good, it's a good thing it is because the animals on the outside of the herd get picked off by the lions. Watch the documentaries that David Attenborough has, and, and you'll see the hyenas and all the predators will pick off the weak and the old and the, and the stragglers, never anybody in the middle of the herd. So the smartest thing you can do if you're a gazelle in Africa, get in the middle. Be in the middle of what's going on. Serve. We serve our way to greatness. It's one of our values. Serving is smart. Seek first the kingdom. The best defense is a, is a great offense. And number four, walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16. But I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let the Holy Spirit guide you around the temptation, around the people, places, things, and you'll know. Number five, we're going to close with this one. Number five. I'd like the music team to come up, thanks. Number five, learn from your mistakes. <laughs> you know, whenever you give in to temptation, the tendency is to doubt your identity. The tendency then is to beat yourself up because you think somehow you're adding to the cross of Jesus Christ by kicking yourself. You can't add to that. It's not helping you at all. Learn from the mistake. I got three R's here, and, and these are things that you can do. Number one, repent means change your direction. I say, sorry, God. You're right. I, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry I fell for that temptation, but I'm, cha I'm changing my direction. So repent, review, how did I get there? 
do a review, not to kick yourself and relive the sin, but just review. How, how in the world did I fall for that? Okay, here's what you did, you, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever it is. And then number three, report. Report for duty. <laughs> Repent, review, and report. Sinner Ed fell for the temptation, man. Report it for duty, Lord. Here I am. I'm not staying down. I'm back up again, and I'm ready to get back in the fight. How about you? The devil could not. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. Come on, somebody say, God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And I love this bit here because the prayer that we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So if you've fallen into the snare of the enemy, it says here, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. The devil cannot make you do it. And I like to say the devil could not. He, he tried his best. But it didn't work. How about you? I'm going to pray for us. I want to give you a chance to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. This morning, it all starts with the decision to follow him, to make him the Lord of your life. He came into the world. God sent his son in, in the form of, of human flesh. God became a man, a human, to take all of your sin every time that you miss the mark. Upon himself. He came in to save you, not to condemn you. The Son of God was sent to save, to seek and save those who were lost, which is all of us. Not to condemn. Religion condemns. Jesus saves. That's such good news. It all starts with a decision to accept the free gift that God's given you called salvation. It's free. You can't earn it. You can't whip it up. There's nothing you can do except say thank you and just receive. And when you do that, he'll lead you around temptation into a, a beautifully blessed life, an amazing life. If you want that and you haven't made that decision and you're here this morning or perhaps watching online, I want to give you a chance to ask him into your heart. So I'm going to pray a prayer, a simple prayer. If you want to ask Jesus into your heart, just pray this out loud after me. And you'll know that you're saved, that you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. So if you want to do that this morning, just say this after me. Say, Dear God, I come to you just as I am. Jesus, I give you my heart. I'll follow you from this time forward. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.